Welcome to Quick Brain, bite-sized brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. I'm your coach, Jim Quick. Free your mind. Let's imagine if we could access 100% of our brain's capacity. I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Hi, Quick Brain. So here's today's question that you submitted in our private Facebook group. And this was up-leveled a lot. So I think many of us are going through this. It said, Jim, I'm going through a lot of difficult times right now. Things are a little bit crazy. How do I stay focused and resilient during these tough times? And I like the subject of resilience because when you think about resilience, you think about the capacity to cope with stress and adversity. And I believe it's not a trait that people are necessarily born with. I believe it involves behaviors and thoughts and habits and mindset and actions that can be learned and really developed by anyone. So this is a very important topic. And joining us today is Tara Mackey. You may be very familiar with her. She is a scientist. She is the number one bestselling author of Cured by Nature. And she's going to share her superpowers for unlocking your mind and mastering your habits so you can be more resilient throughout your day. And I believe it's one of the most important topics and conversations we could be having. Tara, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And congratulations also on your brand new book, Wild Habits. Thank you so much. I'm so excited about it. This one's really good because we've had conversations about habits before. And I believe first you create your habits and then your habits create you. Before we go into this and we talk about resilience, I just want people to have some context. Like all superheroes, you have a very powerful origin story. And maybe you could take a couple of minutes and give people um, a little bit idea of your background. Absolutely. And I definitely relate to those questions because, you know, dark times seem to follow me for the majority of my life, right? So I was born on drugs. My mother did drugs almost the entire time she was pregnant with me, did cocaine on the way to the hospital. I was one of the original 1980s crack babies, what, what, and continued to do drugs after I was born. My mother overdosed in front of me when I was six years old, and my grandparents ended up getting custody of me by the time I was seven and then raising me from there. But throughout raising me, they encouraged me to continue to have a relationship with my mother, even though they sent me to therapy and all my therapists told me we needed to separate. They really wanted to have that relationship there. So my mother actually got sober for a year and moved in with my grandparents and I when I was 12, but then ended up relapsing in front of me when I was 13 and was sent off to another rehab facility. About three weeks later, I was put on my first medication, which was a very heavy duty adult uh, dosage of lithium, which is a mood stabilizer. So I received my first diagnosis and label that day at 13 years old. You know, I immediately began to develop beliefs around what I was capable of and who I was based on this label. About a year and a half later, I got another label, ADHD, was put on another medication, was then taken off that medication and then put on a different medication for moods, then was put on another medication the year after when I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, which was a heavy duty painkiller. And then I was put on an anxiety medication, nerve blockers, anti-inflammatories, everything you could name. By the time I was in college, I was on 10 different medications. And by the time I was 24, I was on 14. At that point, I really was so lost because 
I was told that these drugs were there to help me, right? And I truly did believe that what I was doing every day was helping me because that's what a doctor, various doctors had told me was the solution, right? January of 2011, I got a call from my best friend telling me that our other best friend, we were kind of this inseparable trio, had taken her life. And that was a humongous turning point for me. Like it really, not only because it put me on more drugs, it put me on the 12 drugs I was already on plus Valium and Xanax, um, which was basically a therapist's solution. But I also really started to get extremely depressed after that myself. And in March of that same year, I attempted to take my own life. And it was literally in that moment where that attempt did not work that I first saw myself as a divine human being who'd made a lot of mistakes, this possibly being one of my biggest. But I realized that what I was feeling was really nothing but the story I had been telling myself for 11 years since I was had my first diagnosis and put on my first drug. And if I was going to keep telling myself that story over and over and over again, I was going to have the same life. In that moment and in that realization, literally everything changed for me. From there, what did you do? I honestly started taking a good hard look at my life and my decisions and what I had done to create this chaotic, toxic environment in which I was medicating everything. None of the medication was working. Some of it was creating augmented effects. Much of it was kind of a placebo for me. Like a lot of them didn't work, but I didn't want to get put on more medication. So I would tell a doctor that I was fine, even though I wasn't fine, or even though I felt like it wasn't working for me. And I realized in that moment that Medication was definitely one of my most toxic relationships. So I needed to get off my drugs. Like, if I needed to think clearly, I probably shouldn't be on 14 different medications at the same time. I decided in that moment to come off my drugs cold turkey. Not a good decision. I do not recommend this to anybody. I didn't know what I was in for. I mean, this was seven years ago. So there was very little resources on what happens if you come off. 14 drugs and you weigh 105 pounds. Like, I really had no clue what I was signing up for, but I knew that what I had done so far did not work. And in the beginning, for me, it was about finding out what worked and finding out what didn't work, right? So I was just like, you know, I'll just start over. I'll come off all these drugs and then if I need some, I'll go back on some. And, but like a week or two weeks into it, I mean, I started to get really bad withdrawal symptoms, mm-hmm. right? Like I was vomiting 15 times a day and I was getting blurred vision and trees were turning purple. I mean, they call these brain zaps where your neurons are just like misfiring. You can look down at a table and, and be looking for something and everything kind of just all looks like one thing. Like it's very hard to explain. But once these effects started happening and I started going through them, it was very, very hard for me then to turn back and go, no, I'm just going to go back on my drugs and start over because I'd already put in so much work. Not only that, the more I opened myself up to living the best life I possibly could, the more things around me started supporting my journey. So like the first week that I came off my drugs, I immediately started finding these books on my bookshelf that I'd carried around with me for years, by the way, about natural healing and meditation and plants and food and opening them and reading them and realizing they spoke directly to the ailments I was facing, like directly to how to deal with inflammatory conditions and stabilize your moods and help your depression and your anxiety and everything that I needed. Every day I was getting up and basically finding the solutions for them. I had carried around Alan Watts 
records from the 1960s. And then I finally got up and put a record on my record player of Alan Watts and just sat there and listened. And every single word was exactly what I needed to hear. Like it was these things that had been with me all along. And when you read books like The Alchemist, which was one of the first books that came into my life in this period as well, the point of the book is basically that you're carrying the tools with you the whole time, right? Mm. You just don't recognize them until either something tragic happens or you have some sort of life revelation of like, I don't want to just have a life. Like I want to have a life that excites me. I want to have a life that's worth living. That's the mindset that I started shifting to. And then once that mindset took over, everything changed. I love that because right now here you are and you're the number one best-selling author. You're the founder of an organic skincare company. You're featured in the media all the time. You're an advocate for natural health, wellness, the environment. Let's go through your new book. Let's talk about wild habits and this method. What created the resilience for you? Because I believe that through our struggles, you gain a lot of strength. That when we're talking about things like resilience, we could all improve it. Um, also as well, we can get more fit in that way. And I love how your your mess has become, as they say, your message. Where would people start as they're going through their journey and they have their difficult times, which is different for all of us? So that is why the wild method exists and why I really came up with the method and have used it with so many friends and clients. And and I'm so excited for the book to just see how it affects so many other people at this point too, because it's just been a very personal experience for me thus far, but everyone that I've used it with, it's worked for regardless of what their situation is. So knowing that not only it's worked for me and my personal situation, which is very unique, but it's worked for people who want to be a better mother, want to overcome childhood trauma or very recent trauma or in difficult financial situations. And the method is in the word WILD. It's WILD is an acronym and it stands for, the W stands for willingness. So the way that I got through things was I needed to have the willingness to, you know, the first step in AA is accept the things you cannot change. I needed to have the willingness to accept the fact that something needed to change. But that's not the only step. Just seeing what needs to change isn't going to change it. You also, the I stands for intuition. You need to have the intuition to know what that next step is so that you can then take it and see where it leads you. You know, maybe it's not the right step, but if you don't take it, you're never going to see that. And then you need to have the love, the L stands for love, to actually do that step day in and day out and see how it works for you to form a new habit. And then the D stands for discipline. You need to have the discipline to do that over and over and over again. The largest thing for me, my worst habit at the time was medicating, was taking all these pills every day and not even thinking twice about it. So I needed to have the willingness to accept the fact that this was not working. I needed to have the intuition to figure out what may work instead, right? And then I needed to have the self-love to do that thing that I knew Mm may work. And then I needed to have the discipline to do that over and over and over again until it becomes a new habit, right? Because just doing something once or twice, that's why it's so hard to stick with a new diet or a new fitness routine or whatever is because if we don't do it over and over and over again, it's not a habit. It's just a thing you did once. (laughs) So once I recognized the fact that I needed to, discipline was a huge part of it, but so is intuition, so is love, so are these kind of things that people think are woo-woo. But if you don't use them in your day-to-day life as a business person or as a mother or as a father or as an employee or whatever you're doing with your life, like nothing is going to change. This is a very elegant model. And our long-term listeners love acronyms, right? Because they're highly memorable. So W is willingness, I is intuition, L is love, 
and the D stands for discipline. So I read your book. Everyone knows here, you know, who listens or avid readers also as well. And I recommend everyone gets it so they could go deeper in this. Can you give me an example of one of the stories of how you took somebody through this, this wild process? Absolutely. Yeah. So I love just actually this really, really simple example of one of my friends who changed her whole life by literally not getting coffee in the morning. She recognized that standing online for coffee and you know getting that caffeine buzz was not only kind of a huge time waster, but it was ruining her skin and her body wasn't reacting the same way it used to to caffeine anymore. And she just wanted to change one little habit and see what happened. So she had the willingness to accept that she didn't want to stand in line for coffee and waste 15 minutes of her life every morning before work because she was taking on a lot of anxiety and other people's energy. Then she needed to have the intuition and they're like, okay, what's my next step? So she gave me a call and I was like, well, why don't you replace it with valerian tea or something that actually calms you in the morning? So she started replacing it with valerian. Then she needed to have the self-love to do that every day. So she started meal prepping as well and doing these teas that would last about a week or a week and a half. So she already had them prepped in the fridge. And then she had the discipline to just do it over and over again. I love this one because literally based on that change, her route changed. And then based on her route changing, her entire life changed. She ended up meeting her future husband on a train that she never would have taken had she been waiting in line for coffee in the morning and they're having a baby. So I think it's just, it's incredible that like literally changing one little thing can change and improve the rest of your life. I think that's one that just really applies to everyone. But there are examples in the book of people overcoming, you know, very traumatic things that have happened to them using the method, people who've taken their business to a new level using the method. And I just think it's so important for everyone because no matter what you're going through, it applies. As people are listening to this, I think everyone listening to this either has a habit they they want to adopt something or they have a harmful, you talk about these a lot in wild habits, harmful habits, they, they really just want to delete. One of the areas that I see people struggle with is the area of love, you know, self-love. And I believe that self-love is not selfish. What would you say to somebody who's listening right now who's really having a challenge in that area that they, maybe they say to themselves that they don't love themselves enough to be able to do this new activity, whether it's meditation or reading each day or, uh, or taking time for themselves? Yeah, I, you know, I've been there, that's for sure. But that's why love is part of the method. And I remember when I first did my book proposal, I had not my publisher, but other publishers come to me with feedback and just say, are you sure love is the thing? Because it just mm -hmm. sounds so woo woo, you know, but it is, it's the basis of everything. And if you, you're having a hard time or you struggle with it, I always go back to a time where I First, I call on how I feel about other people. So if mm -hmm. it's very, very hard for you, like you have to love something, right? And I feel like giving yourself the care and the love that you either give to other people or wish other people gave to you, that's mm -hmm. where it starts, right? A lot of us don't feel like we're worthy of a better life. Nobody is sitting around telling us we're all worthy human beings that can do anything we want. We may hear it once or twice in our lives, but it's very difficult to believe that if you don't have any reference to come from that place. So I would call on how you feel about other people and then how you want other people to feel about you, how you would treat your your greatest friend or your, your dog or your mom or somebody that you really, really care about. That's how you should be treating yourself every single day. Because once you show yourself that love, everything changes. Other people pick up on that and it's very difficult to not attract other people who are doing the same thing. 
Right. And I, I don't think love actually is, is woo-woo at all. Uh, it's just because we can't measure it and biohack it and, and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I know, I notice that the people that succeed at the highest level, they, they have a level of, of self-love and self-care, self-compassion. So this is another question we get a lot is, is discipline that we know that through discipline, there's every discipline act leads to multiple rewards, just like in your book where you, where you share stories of your clients, where they, they make one change in the habit. And there's this huge ripple effect and that go permeates to other areas of their life, which is, which is amazing. For some people that say themselves who are listening right now, I, you know, I don't have the discipline to get myself to the gym or to eat right today. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think discipline is a muscle. I think mm-hmm. the more you use it, the easier, the bigger it becomes and the easier it gets to use it. For me, it's really about putting in the work. Give yourself a timeline of just a few days and I guarantee you those days will turn into weeks because like you spoke about, the reward that you get from doing the thing that's good for you is so wonderful that you don't want to quit. Just start. Just do it the first day because I guarantee you if it's really the thing you should be doing, you're going to want to do it the next day and you're going to want to keep doing it. And then also leave clues for yourself of what that discipline is. So I give very small examples in the book, but things that have worked tremendously for me for many years, just like if you want to go for a run in the morning, leave your running shoes out. That way you don't forget and they're staring you in the face, you know, put that running gear on, do something that'll make you feel silly for not doing the thing that you know is going to help Mm. you. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. So parting words, Tara, for people here. I mean, we could talk for hours about, about this, these subjects here. I, I highly recommend people get the book. What's one thing you recommend? Um, my one thing would be people getting your book. <laughs> what, <laughs> Aww, what's, what's one thing you would recommend for somebody here in terms of final words? That's something they could do when they get off of listening to this conversation. Everybody that listens to this should go for a walk. Just get outside, go in nature, like feel your connection to the earth, feel your connection to the ground. Really remember why you're doing what you're doing. Actually, the first wild habit that I have in the book as examples, I have two and a half pages of examples, is go for a walk because it's so simple, but it's like pretty much everybody can do it. You know what I mean? And I think it's just this beautiful thing that really connects you and reminds you and puts you in a creative flow and a flow state in your body and your health that reminds you of why you're here and what you're doing. Tara, you're such a living example of really what is possible. Research says that resilience really can be learned. It's not something we either have or we don't have. We have to do the work. So if times are tough right now for somebody that's listening, you could take these four steps to strengthen your resilience, to build better habits, to create the life that you desire and that you really deserve. How would people stay in touch with you? Yeah, they can find the book at wildhabitsbook.com. And then they can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at uh, Tara A. Mackey. Perfect. Thank you, everyone, as always, for listening. We'll talk to everyone real soon. Want to double your brain speed and memory power? If you'd like to learn rapidly and get ahead faster, I'd like to give you my brand new Quick Brain Accelerator program. You will discover exactly what I teach my clients to learn, read, and remember anything in half the time. There is no charge. It's my gift to you for being one of our subscribers. That's K-W-I-K-Brain.com. 
I hope you're enjoying this episode. And if you want to go deeper with many of these authors that we have on our podcast, these experts, I want to invite you to join our quick success program. This is our monthly lives that I do, where I teach something brand new that we haven't taught before, answer your burning questions. And also we have something that people have been requesting for many years, a quick book club. This is your Limitless Book Club, where every single month we read a book together, uh, like a book provided by this author. And then we get the author to come online and join us for one hour, uh, share going deeper in these strategies, how to put them into practice. Uh, I share my five tips for how to memorize things out of these books. Many people want to read a book a month or build up to that. And this would be the program. So if you want to join, just go to quicksuccess.com and get your spot and join us live and get to meet these authors very uh, up close and personal. And uh, back to the episode.